When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone, and welcome back. You are here with District Baseball as we do our first Nationals episode of the calendar year and of the uh, 2024 season. We're going to be recapping the entire Nationals offseason, talk about all of the latest news that's been going on, project a little bit about um, what we expect in the 2024 season. We'll save a lot of our predictions and hot takes and whatnot for our season preview episode that we'll do uh, just before the season gets underway. But as we stand right now, spring training is, I think they report this week, right? Yeah, pitchers and catchers report this week, which is kind of crazy to think about um, how quickly time is going. But we're going to touch on all of that today. Uh, but first, Trey, what's going on, my friend? Nick, the Super Bowl concluded last night, which means it's officially baseball season. And I'm very <laughs> excited for that. Um, uh, we're a little less excited to talk about the Nationals offseason, if I'm being honest, because they didn't do a whole lot. Um, no, they didn't. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be they're going to have to play the games and we're going to watch. So uh, we can kind of speculate on what, how well they may they may do. And what maybe what other moves they might make before the season starts, because it's still only February. Yeah, um, and, so and, more could be coming. But right now, this is what we got. Right. And, you know, th- that's something we can touch on. We'll, we'll obviously start off with kind of recapping the offseason, all the moves or lack thereof that they've made. Um, but as we stand w- the week of pitchers and catchers reporting, there's still cornerstone pieces out there and i'm not going to dive too much into the boris corp negotiation strategy and waiting till the last minute we saw it with guys like bryce harper and manny machado when they were free agents they signed very late into uh the winter slash spring um so i'm not necessarily surprised that not only boris is holding out his clients but also that the baseball owners are not paying up because that's kind of the norm um, the past couple of off seasons, especially the last two, have been outside of the norm um, in terms of teams actually spending and teams being aggressive in their spending. But that's not what we've gotten. Um, you see a team like the Red Sox. I think they are the perfect example of everything that's wrong with baseball right now. The Red Sox, under no circumstances, should be like shedding payroll for the sake of shedding payroll. Um, there's a huge problem within baseball right now. And again, this is a completely different topic. We're going to focus on the the Nats right now, but all of this is just to say, if they really wanted to, there's players out there that could help, uh, mainly guys like Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery to help one of, if not the worst rotation in baseball. Um, and then there's a, a bat like Cody Bellinger that, you know, people will say, oh, you, well, you can't block your, your outfield prospects. Fine. He can also play first. He can also DH. Like, I don't care. Yeah, if he's you... got some versatility. So that's nice. Yeah. I, I, I don't care if you, you know, 
like relegate Joey Gallo to kind of more of a more platoon role. Like that doesn't, that doesn't hurt my feelings, you know? So that's just to say the options are out there. It's not like it was just a weak free agent class or anything. I'm pretty sure. um, Has Hyunjin Ryu signed? I don't think he has not. The other one guy I was kind of looking at is like a more realistic, like innings eater type for this team. um, Cause I can't see them going after a guy like Snell or Montgomery, but Ryu, one year deal, that would be nice. Well, the, just saying. The other one is Brandon Woodruff. He's still available yeah, too. That's an interesting. And, and I know well. that that's more of like a a two year pact. Like you're signing him with the understanding that he's hurt this year. He might come back in like August. Um, but still, that that's a guy you take a flyer on every day of the week. I mean, I wrote an article. This was last year, obviously, before his his injury and whatnot. Um, predicting the next big Nationals free agent signing. Um, and I didn't have them signing anyone in this offseason. Um, I didn't even have them signing Juan Soto next offseason, although I will be pushing that narrative very hard. Um, but I had them signing Brandon Woodruff over Corbin Burns because um, the Nationals are, have always been more inclined to spend money on pitching than position players. Um, and I, I think in some circumstances that that's a fair strategy like it's just safer in some respects to pay for pitching um because like it's pitching so volatile injuries are at an all-time high rate so it's like just paying for pitching and get a bona fide starter and high caliber player like it just kind of makes sense and then you just hope you develop a lot of position player prospects and if you look at the nationals current farm system all of their top prospects are position players, their one top pitching prospect is Kate Cavalli, who's recovering from Tommy John. So, you know, in theory, the perfect Nationals team as currently constructed, their position player prospects pan out, and then they supplement that with spending and free agency on the pitching staff. So, um, yeah, I, I would really like a Ryu or Woodruff or anyone just like you can yeah, do any, better than Trevor any Williams. starter right now. You can do better. They, the, the, the lack of pitching depth is, is bad. I mean, they were entirely they were like the healthiest team in baseball last year and you can't i mean that was great that's a good thing but you can't expect that to happen again mm-hmm. so like if you have one pitching injury i mean what do you do i mean bring in a don again that's your that's your, basically your <laughs> sacrificial lamb yawn that's Adone. essentially yeah i mean they basically threw him to the that's his role like I, I joke, but that's his role. He's yeah, the, sucks. listen, <laughs> we don't want to use any of our good players. Not yeah. that they have many to begin with. It's annoying but... because he he has some stuff. Like, I, like, see him, like, he's got a good curveball. But, like, they don't, they haven't let him develop. They're just like, yep, you got to come up and be the fill-in guy. Um, it, it's insane to me. Was it the 20, yeah, because he, he made his debut the final game of 2021. Um, Yeah, that, that makes sense. In 2022, yep. they left him up for so long he went they, like they, one they broke and 12 him. they broke him they he should have never broke camp with the team and it was the same thing they didn't they didn't sign anybody so it's like if you start going five and you have a six era send him down yeah i know yeah, they're <laughs> ruining their pitching depth because they are ruining these young guys because they're bringing them up when they should just go sign a dude who's like kind of not good but can eat it eat some innings and that's like yeah. they just haven't done that so they it's, there's still guys out there that can do that, but there's far fewer than there were early right. in the offseason now. But they missed the first wave, the second wave, and all of the 
subsequent waves after that and yeah, you have like one final wave, wave. <laughs> right you have one final wave to make something happen so we'll see if they they jump in um before we you know get into like our grades and recapping the the actual transactions i i do want to throw this out there just for you know a, a brain teaser or you know fun experiment and wishful thinking and all that stuff so the um the window it's not necessarily a window but you're able to put guys on the 60 day dot 60 i almost said the the old word the 60 day il um when pitchers and catchers report like when spring training officially starts i think that's like technically the the le- new league year in some respect so the nets have three guys on the 40 man roster that could and, and if you want to throw Stone Garrett in there, I, I don't know exactly where he's at in his recovery, but he's could be the fourth. Um, they could clear 40 man spots. Steven Strasberg, obviously, we don't know what's going on with him right now. He's still in the roster. He Again, will be gonna, on the IL. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. go down that that situation. We'll we'll save that for another time, but he's definitely going on the 60 day IL. Uh Cade Cavalli, if they want to be really conservative with his return. I don't think that's the worst idea in the world uh, to put him on the 60 day IL. He's most likely not going to pitch in April and May anyways. So yep. just put him on the IL and, you know, it just allows you more roster flexibility. Uh, Zach Br- Brixey, um, yep. who's a prospect, he's a reliever, uh, has has some potential um, and will be, I think he's ready at some point this year. Um, I'm not quite sure when, but with the prospect, same thing. Bodas Cavalli, they could just play it safe. You don't necessarily need him this year. Um, so those are three. And then, like I said, Stone Gare. I don't think Stone Gare will make the 60 day IL. I think they'll just put him on the, uh, the what's it, the 10 day uh, IL yeah, and then just probably. leave him there for a while. And unfortunately, we'll probably see like a guy like Alex Call, but um, they have options. And I only say that because they might be waiting to sign anyone else, um, like to a major league deal until after they're able to move Cavalli, Strasburg, whoever yeah, else. They're, they're Ross, the 40 man's full, right? Isn't right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So if you sign someone right now, which obviously they're able to, you would have to make a, a subsequent move and DFA someone. And yeah. they might not want to do that because they already cleared. I think they had two spots already clear. They cut uh, Dom Smith and uh, DFA Pineda. And I think there's one other one to protect all their guys from the rule five draft guys like Mitchell uh, Parker Jeter and Downs as well. Jeter Downs. They, they, yeah. That yeah, was, they, and yeah. Um, yeah. Pineda was for the Joey Gallo move, uh, but I, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. They were protecting the rule five guys like DJ Harris, Mitchell Parker and them. So they might not want to make any other like moves and get rid of guys completely. Like guy like Pineda, they're pretty confident that he was going to clear waivers which he did um but they might not feel that way about anyone else which i think is silly but you know it could be their line <laughs> of thinking so we'll see when pitchers and catchers report when the the guys move to the 60 day il if that you know those couple of open spots you know kind of push them to add some guys that are still out there the flip side of that is they could just leave those spots open if a guy impresses at spring training like Jesse Winker, who we'll talk about in a little bit, like Juan Yepes, who we'll also talk about. So any of the minor league or the the spring training invites, even if a guy like Dylan Cruz or James Wood, you know, have a really strong spring and 
forced their way into onto the roster. They're, those guys aren't currently on the, the 40-man roster, so they could just be leaving those those spots open, um, but it is a little bit of, uh, you know, we can hope with uh, yeah, the that's 60, That's kind of like the IIs. last bastion of, like, they have to be waiting because then they can move guys. I'm just, like, hoping. That's, like, the super optimistic view in reality we might not see any move made afterwards but uh hopefully um but yeah no i think we should uh you already mentioned gallo we'll talk about the nats yeah, t- season take signings. us down the list yeah um major league signings uh well <laughs> uh there's only three count them um, on one hand yeah uh so uh, the first thing the first major league signing that the nats made was nick senzel who will be taking over as the third baseman at first and then He's kind of more of a bounce back guy, so we'll see what happens. It kind of depends on how well he plays. I mean, who um, isn't with the Nats? That's free yeah. Moves? We'll we'll get there. Yeah, pretty much every guy is a bounce back guy. the The guy that's closest to a, a guarantee, I would say, was their reliever signing, which was Dylan Floro. And I actually, this is a signing I really like um, because ERA wise, he wasn't the best last year of his career. I think he was like four point three ERA. Um, but some of the underlying statistics suggest that he might have been unlucky. Um, and he's been a very solid reliever throughout his career. So I think that's a good get. The, the bullpen definitely needed depth. Yeah, um, last year was more, but <laughs> the the one outlier in like a good way. Like there's a good out. Well, it's the one like bad year in an otherwise solid career, whereas typically it's a lot of bad years and then one solid one year. Solid the match just go for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's a Floro- little bit better. Floro's got a large track record of solid pitching, so I do I do like that. And even if he doesn't pitch amazing, other teams will probably be like, yeah, you know, he's had a good track record. Let's trade for him. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's probably a decent move to to get some trade value. Um, and just to add some depth, because like, like we've mentioned before in some of our you know recaps from the season, the Nats basically had an A bullpen and a B bullpen. And it was more like mm-hmm. an A bullpen and like a Z bullpen. <laughs> like we're going pretty bad, pretty deep, you know, it was like, it was pretty rough after the first couple guys came out, but, um, Floro will definitely help stabilize that. He's a veteran as well. Um, and then Gallo obviously was the more recent major league signing. Um, I think it, it makes sense to sign these guys for bounce backs. I just want to have one guy that's like good now would be nice you know, like <laughs> anyone, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. there are some, there are some guys that they signed to minor league deals who have the chance to make some noise. Um, Jesse Winker was today that they just signed him. I've seen a lot of uh, optimism about this signing. And I, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, he's one of the worst hitters in baseball the last two seasons, especially slugging, which he's going to be essentially a DH if anything, because he can't really play the field that well. Uh, so I don't know. I don't really want my DH slugging under 300. Um, but <laughs> you never know. Maybe he can bounce back. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, you're relying on you're relying on a lot of these minor league guys to break camp and play well. And I just I don't really see it. Uh, the one that I could see is Juan Yepes. I do think that one has some merit as a minor league signing. He's still a young guy too. He's only 26. So that's, that's important. He also hit a homer in the playoffs last year. I fun fact. So that <laughs> happened. Um, but, but yeah, the Cardinals think, being in the playoffs seems like forever ago. They were so yeah, bad last I know. year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I guess last year is now two years, two years ago. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know what you meant. The last time they were in the playoffs, he hit a homer. 
good for him. <laughs> uh, um, yes, uh, obviously not a murderer's row of uh free agent acquisitions. Um, so Joey Gallo, if you want my extended thoughts, I'm gonna shamelessly plug district on deck here and you can go back and, and see my thoughts on Joey Gallo. I also, I, I think I mentioned this briefly during one of our last episodes, um, more like when the signing happened, like I, I called it basically, I'm not going to like, <laughs> you know, victory lap quite as hard as I did with like Corey Seager or anything like that, but it, it just made sense. Like all Joey Gallo can do is hit home runs. All he can do is, is slug. It, he's a true three outcome player. He strikes out, he walks, he hits home runs. <laughs> like that that's that's really it. Like he hits more home runs than singles. But that that's just always who he has been. To his credit, he's very aware of his basal profile, so he really worked on his defense and he's not like a you know, uh a slouch out there. He can play outfield, he can play first base. And I think he actually fits this team. That being said, there was better options out there at the time yeah. Joey Gallo was signed. <laughs> Reese Hoskins was still available. Obviously, Cody Bellinger was still available and it still is available. So it's not like he was the best guy and the Nats got their, got their guy, so to speak. But I, I don't think it's a bad signing. Um, and if Joey Gallo can hit, this is a big if. And it, it's going to sound so funny if you don't know Joey Gallo's background. Um if Joey Gallo can hit like 240, <laughs> dude, that's like crazy. He, ha- he has <laughs> he has such good value on the trade market because he's solid defender. He crushes right-handed pitching. He hits for power, left-handed power bat. Um, he could easily be like a, a bench bat for a playoff team because his his deal is so cheap. Um, so like it, it's not the worst move in the world. It just sucks that this is basically the best move of the yeah, offseason ba- we have to try and get excited about 30 year old joey gallo i mean right. that's it's just that's just the bummer of it all although yeah. um you know he is streaky so let's get on a hot streak in the first half and then uh you can do yeah. whatever you want after we, we just need a hot start <laughs> like even if he cools off in like you know late june we we can spin that right you, give me a good april good may and you'd be like he still gets on base Right, exactly. Because he does do that. <laughs> we, we, he walks we like a lot. him because he gets on base. Um, Dylan Flora, you touched on. I, I think that's a solid signing. Uh, we really needed to bridge the gap between the A bullpen and the B bullpen. And, and the thing is, like, I, I give them a lot of a lot of grief, but like the A bullpen was solid. Oh, it yeah, was just sure. we found ourselves in so many close games, which is good. They, we were, they had to get they had to throw so many right. times. Was, especially I mean, we especially early. Yeah, especially like Finnegan and Harvey. We're, we're going and, three and days. my poor Sometimes, boy mason thompson yeah well they basically ruined him I, they, they butchered my boy yeah for real um but yeah i mean you had guys going back to back to backs like all the time and that's just Frequently. you can't sustain that especially when you have a guy like hunter harvey who did miss some time by the way last year it's just not a major injury but he's had major injuries you can't be throwing him Mm-hmm. three times in a row so i'm like I, that's why Flora was a good signing and i wish that they honestly did more just to have just some extra depth although i will say um robert garcia the lefty who came up solid. last year was very good and now he should be around for the whole year Let's, we'll see if he can continue to be solid he was a multi-inning guy which would help uh supplement innings for for other guys so um We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'm not like hugely hopeful that he's going to do that again, but you never know. He he was good in, in his limited time. 
last and year. Jordan Weems came up about halfway through the season. About the same time Mason Thompson got hurt, he performed really well down the stretch and kind yeah. of emerged as like a, a dependable arm. You're getting Tanner Rainey back, and I know that's a big if, but if he's healthy, like he's proven to be a high leverage guy, and even though he's not a, a free agent acquisition, like you're still acquiring him in all, you know, um, for all intents and purposes for the bullpen. So like you have, you know, Weems, Rainey, Harvey, Finnegan as your kind of seven, eight, nine guys. And then you can filter in guys like Floro, Robert Garcia, Mason Thompson for, you know, the inevitable five inning relief spots that you're going to need. And then obviously yeah. the, the sixth inning as well. So like in theory, like this is one of the, strong, it sounds crazy. It's one of the stronger bullpens that the nationals have had entering a season in quite some time. Um, and it's probably the area where they have the most depth because we haven't even talked about guys like Jose A. Ferrer, who I'm not overly high on, but he he's flashed in certain moments. Um, and then they have some some guys that will be in AAA or are in AAA or are returning like Brixie, like I mentioned, who who could, you know, step in if need be. So this feels like one of their their deeper uh, positions. Yeah, and they, they signed ironic. Um, they signed some some minor league deals as well to, mm-hmm. to help uh Richard Blyer. He has been a solid uh lefty in his career out of the bullpen. He's the older guy, so it might not work out, but uh he's there. And Luis Perdomo as well that they signed. That's an interesting uh, one. Yeah, now he he's got a chance to make the team for sure, uh coming out of spring. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see with him. But I I I actually do I like that signing as well so yeah um, i mean anthony I, yeah, banda I, made the team kind of, out of out of camp last year so yeah that's a good you're kind of convincing me here because that's a good point um getting some guys healthy is helpful and some good some minor league signings like that's kind of what they focused on for their minor league signings is pitching mm-hmm. um, so i like that but um yeah you're kind of yeah. you are you're hoping that a lot of things go right out of spring training <laughs> right and but and there's, we'll, yeah they should still be decent we'll we'll touch on you know the Pakota projections here in a little bit. Um, but Nick Senzel is kind of the last big one. Um, all right. So I'll give I got you... absolutely zero hope. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I would agree. There. I would agree. If it's not even history, it's just like when something's so obvious, right? Take Dom Smith, for example. It was very obvious that Dom Smith was just not a good baseball player. Like 2020 is such a fluke in so many respects, whether you had a good year or bad year. It was just like so fluky for so many people. So it was just very clear that Dom Smith was not a real starting caliber first baseman. Um, But he had his moments like he he had arguments to stay on the team. And I, I kind of feel that way with Sinzel where it's very clear that he's just, he's a bust number two overall pick the reds DFA him before like his contract was really up. They could have kept him for cheap, but they had infield depth and they didn't feel strongly enough about him as an outfielder or as a hitter to keep him around. Um, that being said, it just feels like Senzel's that guy who's going to do just enough to be like, huh, maybe, you know, <laughs> like just hang it, around. That, that's not the most analytical breakdown <laughs> or like analysis or anything like that, but it, it's, it's a gut feeling 
like knowing this team, knowing how they've been operating, they're going to, you know, if Senzel hits a home run opening day, everyone's going to be like the, I told you so kind of that's like, that's how it feels. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm definitely not as a uh, high on, on this signing. There was like Gio Urshela is still out there. Gio Urshela was like having an 800 OPS until he got hurt. He like yeah, broke his hip I mean, or something. I, I it's kind of weird. I, do you think Senzel would have gotten a major league deal <laughs> besides from us? I mean, I'm just sitting here like because the Nats signed him early, and I'm like, and you, you know why? Because he's friends with Lane Thomas. <laughs> you cannot convince that. me that that's not the reason. I forgot you just about can't. that. Yeah, because um, they had to have the mass and think pieces after the signing, so they could. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to get the mass and think pieces. <laughs> they have some of the most shameless shill pushing people <laughs> that write for them, and hey, you know that's their job. But like, <laughs> for the people that take the mass and stuff at face value it's just like oh man yeah <laughs> oh honey <laughs> like what are we doing yeah. um but since like, i think he's just, he's just gonna be at it probably slightly below average right probably below average. Annoy us a lot he'll have his moments <laughs> he'll, he'll probably play fine defense but like it's so weird because yeah again number two overall pick it's not like this was just some nobody and he was heralded for his contact ability and that's been like his weakest part of his game since he he debuted a, a few years ago like it, it's just completely ass backwards with his game so maybe this is like one of the few times i'll say this maybe the darnell's cole darnell cole's approach um will help a guy like senzel at least a little bit to maybe at least strike out less i guess yeah exactly <laughs> like just you know just incrementally increase your production so that way you're not a complete liability anymore um so we'll see but yeah th there were better options out there there are again better options still out there so that is what it is as far as winker and yepes i kind of grouped them together they're both lefty bats could provide some power i think it's one of them if if there's even a spot actually i think i think yepes is right-handed oh is he I thought yeah. he was lefty for some reason. I might be confusing him. Anyway, I still I was yeah, still group them to I still group them together um because Joey Gallo having the option to either play outfield or first base, it's like Yepes plays first base. Winker, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. He's really only a DH, but he like could play outfield if he played somewhere. Um, so it's like you can put Gallo either spot. So it's like you're gonna keep one of Yepes or Winker if either of them have a good spring. Or they could just assign them the AAA and they could go the uh, Travis Blankenhorn route and call them up in August after you have like injuries and stuff. Um, I think I'm much more interested in Yepes than mm, I am Winker. Um, but I'm also not one of these people on Twitter. And I'll always make fun of people on Twitter, but I don't necessarily make fun of them for this. Like, if you're high on Yepes, that's fine. I'm just not one of those people. Um, I'm. You know, if you're signing a minor league deal with the Nationals, yeah, that tells me 29 other teams wouldn't give you a major league deal. <laughs> and probably 25 other teams wouldn't give you a minor league deal. <laughs> so it's, just, it's somewhat how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just is what it is. Um, and maybe it's like a creative positioning for Yepes and his agent because they see the Nationals need help at first base. So that certainly could be a part of it. Whereas if you go to like Philly, 
like you're not playing over Bryce Harper. So what's the point? Yeah. Um, Seems so like that, they want to platoon somewhere, whether that be right. outfield, first base or DH. There's they're, yeah. they're going to platoon something. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to get to, because like we know that's Davey Martinez's strategy. He loves playing matchups. Uh, I, I think like sometimes... platooning as well to an extent, but, you know, right normally... to an extent, I think he, he does it too much, like yeah. still calling granted he's coming back from an injury. So we'll need him to like kind of reprove himself. But like Stone Garrett was fine against righties last year. Yeah, he was like 120 WRC plus. Yeah, he, he was like well more than them. fine it, for on this team as currently constructed. Stone Garrett's an everyday starter. Like he should not be yeah, riding when, edge when he when he is uh obviously healthy because yeah he right, right probably for sure. won't be for ready sure. for opening day yeah I, I just mean like as currently constructed uh, assuming all goes well Stone Garrett should be a starter yeah um like even if it's at DH his he needs to be in the lineup but also he was like he was more than fine defensively as well yeah no I think you actually lose value if you take him out of the outfield because uh, yeah. he was a very solid outfielder so and he's got speed that you wouldn't expect from him a guy yeah. his size but he does right so it's like injury aside like they're kind of pigeonholing stone garrett and i don't really understand it um but yeah to your point it does seem like they want a platoon they've talked about their lefty bat it seems like they kind of got it with gallo but they still don't have much lefty power in their roster um so if winker um you know has a good spring or if yep has displays power like they'll take power wherever they can get it. So it kind of feels like it. One of those guys might find their way onto the roster. Um, and then all the other guys. Yeah. It's just depth. I'm, I don't really think we're going to need to talk about them, but as a whole, Oh, I guess we can talk about Nassim Nunez real quick. The, the rule five uh, selection yeah. is fine. Uh, I thought it was a reach, but it's the rule five draft, which like, you're not going to find, crazy talent there you'll find some diamonds in the rough like we got a uh, thad ward last year who i was never really high on but you know yeah well the, it, i mean it, the main it, thing is just at least they're keeping shooting. them around yeah keeping them right. around so that you can keep them in your system because i think ward will probably be worked out as a starter in the minor leagues but he couldn't go down there obviously to right. get that because he was a rule five pick so yeah nunez will make the team Assuming they don't like, they could also just re- straight up release him before the season if they feel like it. But uh, yeah, seems like they want to keep him around, so he'll be on the bench uh, on the major league roster. And that's fine. He's basically filling the Michael Chavis role, which yep. wasn't a huge role to begin with. Nunez will be back up to CJ Abram, so he'll be filling the Michael Chavis Jeter Downs role, which again, like that's fine. Yeah, and um, it's actually it is it's even better than than that because. He's pretty, he's mostly known for good defense. That's probably what he's, he's going to do mostly. He's fast. Is, yeah, he's, he's going to pinch run and probably come in as a defensive replacement. Right. So, but for the people who are saying he's going to challenge Luis Garcia, I just don't see it. He, he's uh, yeah, not a good not, enough hitter. That's not going to happen. Yeah, he's not a. And, and like, I'm not even sold on Luis Garcia. I used to be, but I'm very, very questionable on him now. Uh, but he's still not going to challenge Luis Garcia. I think the Nationals will end up needing a second baseman outside of the organization. Trey um, Lipscomb has a better chance. That's than true. Nunez, honestly. That, that's true. I, I keep forgetting that he can uh, play second. I do you, mean, do you think any uh, of the prospects have a chance to break with this, with to break camp? Basically, like, do you think James would, if he like went nuts in spring, would they call him up or would they, if, if he goes and I'm going back a few years now, 
uh, if he goes Chris Bryant in spring training, um, for, for those just quick recap, Chris Bryant, when he was called uh, or coming up with the Cubs, he hit like 13 home runs in spring. It was, it was something nuts. absurd. And, and then they, they still didn't call him up. The, the Cubs didn't were, call him yeah. down because they're manipulating service time. But now there's incentives to calling people up early, like the Mariners did it with Julio Rodriguez. And I think they got like an extra draft pick or something because he won one rookie of the year. Um, just as an example. So if he goes nutty, if James Wood goes nutty in spring, yeah, like that. Yeah, it would have to be nutty, nutty hand. too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that might force their hand. But the Nationals, it's not per- particularly good depth, but they have a lot of outfield depth currently. There's a lot of bodies that they need to sort through to like, I, I don't want them to call up a guy just to have him sit. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, me too. If he's if he's if like so he would have to play well enough to get a starting spot. If Victor Robles back injury creeps up, if, you know, Alex call continues to really struggle, if Stone Garrett's not ready and like all of a sudden we have like six outfielders that go down to three, then, you know, it definitely looks different. Um but I don't think Cruiser would um, break camp or like make the opening day roster. I think Brady House has a shot because Senzel has yeah, defensive versatility. I was, I was going to point out House because third base is just such an unknown. Right. Um, but yeah, I, and, I, I, I'm Senzel's also with cheap. you. Yeah, I'm also with you. I, I don't think that they break camp with the team either, but it would be fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it certainly would be, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not expecting it. Um, and ironically, you brought up his name, and I, I kind of, again, shameless plug on district on deck, on deck. Like I, I talked about how the it's not the third baseman of the future. I can't remember the the phrase I used, but like Trey Lipskin might be this team's starting third baseman, and this was before the Senzel signing. Yeah. Um, but it just feels like with Lipscomb, I, I I like his game. I know some people are a little bit lower on him. The underlying numbers aren't necessarily kind to him, even though he went on like an absurd hot streak last year, like over the summer. Um, he kind of feels like a guy that they'll be more willing to just like test it out. Yeah. Try it out. Opposed- he, yeah. He yeah. plays multiple positions as well. Right. So like if he struggles, they're not going to be too concerned about it. Whereas like if you call up Cruz or Wood and they really struggle, they you're, you're concerned immediately. Yeah. Like, did we ruin this guy? Whereas Trey yeah. Lipscomb, it's like, you know, it was kind of a, a shot in the dark to begin with if he's ever going to turn out to be a major league quality player. Um, yeah. Same with so, Darren Baker as well. They could. Yeah, he's him. another guy um, that, that we could see. He's definitely a, a tried out guy because he's not getting much love at all from uh, from like prospect rankings and, and whatnot. So yeah. I don't think so. But I'm kind of cheating here. I pulled up uh, kind of good timing. Uh, Jessica Camerato released an article today on MLB.com projecting the Nationals 2024 opening day roster. So I'll just go uh, through quickly what she kind of projects. Catcher, she has KB Ruiz and Riley Adams. Riley Adams, we haven't really talked about. He broke his left hamate, um, which is a, a bone in your hand, uh, in back in September. So, like, timeline-wise, he should be okay. But with hamate injuries, it kind of affects your power. Um, so... Which is we'll, we'll his see. main selling point. Right. Last that, year that's where power. Riley Adams really shined last year. Neither of them were particularly good defensively. And that's the thing they'll need to improve on. Drew Milas um, was their third catcher. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Nationals to carry three catchers um, if Riley Adams, you know, is hurt or, you know, starts hitting and wants, they want to put him 
in the line. Yeah. As get him in the lineup more. Right. And then you still need a backup catcher. Um, so I think that's an option. I don't think they start that way, but I think that's an option. Um, we'll see Drew Milos more. And that's probably why they DFA'd Pineda over anyone else first, because they knew Milos could be that kind of emergency catcher. Mm-hmm. First base, she has Joey Gallo, Joey Manessas. I think that's kind of self-explanatory. Second base, Luis Garcia Jr., shortstop, C.J. Abrams, third base, Nick Senzel. Um, and then outfielders, she has Joey Gallo again, um, but Victor Robles, Lane Thomas. So in this kind of lineup, she has Gallo in the outfield, Manessas at first. D.H. Stone Garrett. Joey Gallo, Joey Manessas, uh, bench, uh, Ildemar Vargas, Nassim Nunez, Jacob Young. So the one thing of note here is Jacob Young wins the fourth outfielder spot over Alex Call. I, which I like. I hope that happens. Um, <laughs> they they have very similar games to begin with, but Young has at least shown. I mean, he he, he does everything slightly better. I right, would say. he graduated three minor league levels last year. Um, he yeah, quick rise or not even just levels, not even minor league levels. Um, yeah, he made all the way to the majors from high A in one year. So you there's at least room for for growth there. So I'm a big fan of Jacob Young. Um, so I'm cool with cutting Alex Call. Starting pitchers, Patrick Corbin, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Jake Urban, Trevor Williams. Don't love Trevor Williams in the rotation, but I know he's going to be on the roster in some capacity. She mentions that Ioana Don and Jackson Rutledge could begin the year in triple a and then uh, be called up later in the year and the relief pitchers kyle finnegan hunter harvey tanner rainey dylan floro jordan weems robert garcia jose a ferrer and mason thompson so she has ferrer kind of winning yeah man that's not a bad bullpen that's yeah i mean that list is pretty solid (laughs) yeah not not bad at all i yeah i Um, didn't really realize it but yeah i think that might be i I, last year i thought the bullpen was going to be good though and then they sucked at first but then they came back and played very well at the end so um, but yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that's pretty good projections. I mean, you really, it's just depends on how they want to do the DH. Cause we don't, yeah, really that's going to be the biggest question Yeah, injuries and potential signings that could still happen. And, and one thing we, I, I know no one really wants to talk about it cause he's sort of a fan favorite at this point, um, in the laundry list of fan favorites that, you know, are like bare minimum players <laughs> right uh like joey manessis like he was good in 2022 in a short stint he was he was good last fine. year like he was fine he's clutch right um <laughs> that that was his big thing as runners in scoring position but he's now entering age 32 he was never really highly regarded he had that knee injury last year that he he played through to his credit but it's like you know, would you be shocked if we are in mid June and we're staring at a Joey Manessis DFA? No, like, not at all. No, I wouldn't. I, I think it's why I, I would like him to. I, I want to believe that that injury story was really what was hampering him and that mm-hmm. it's really going to improve that he's healthy. That would be great. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, he just doesn't have the he has one one full season under his belt and the one full season was the 96 WRC plus at DH. That's not getting it done. So Right. And, and yeah. he only hit a he had a 722 OPS last year, which yeah. and you know, I mean WRC on plus the... is, you know, similar kind of metrics to to evaluate performance uh, from that first base DH type, but like it, 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 he was barely adequate. 
Yeah. And like, if he takes another just small step and he's all of a sudden below a, a 700 OPS, it's like, why are we keeping this guy around? He's clearly not a part of the future. He, he would be trending into like Yadiel Hernandez territory where just like, he's this why old guy that was kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of a good story, but why is he here? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, um, you know, I will say his lack of power was noticeable and that could, if he very. was actually did have a knee injury, that could be a big, big impact on that. So, you know, if that's legit and he can be healthy and maybe he'll, he'll, I just, I, you know, give me like a 115, 120 WRC plus. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see. I, and I'm not necessarily rooting for it, um, but I'm just saying I, I, I could see it happening. Yeah. I think they're we're just like writing in Manessas as like just an everyday guy. And I don't think that's like a, a set in stone thing where we can just count on him to bounce back or do better or anything like that. Yeah. I think he earned it for last year, but yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's, he's got to re-earn now. it. He's yeah. got to re-earn that trust for sure. He's fine for now, but it's, it's thinner ice. And I think people want to admit. Um, so that that's kind of the projected roster. Obviously spring could, shake some things up but Pakoda, for those that don't know baseball prospectus has i, I don't remember the what Pakoda stands for but it it's basically like a um uh what's the word i'm looking for a simulation of the baseball season and it's like a wide range of outcomes so the median outcome is what they use i, I think they they simulate the baseball season a hundred times or something like that and obviously there's a, a bunch of advanced analytics that go in there but they release the the um record projections for for each team and they have the nationals at a 58 and 104 record so they are not buying last year's performance obviously the nationals won 71 games last year but if you dive just slightly deeper you see that the nationals have a really good record in one run games that doesn't really seem sustainable yeah um especially with no major improvements to their team so it's like if you want to ask, well, how did this team step back 13 games? You're probably looking at a more realistic outcome for um, what happened in those one run games in 2024. Could they, you know, in, like be better? Sure, they could. But it this is just kind of a, a ballpark estimation for how this team looks. And a, a lot of you know, trusted outlets are saying this team's going to take kind of a big step back. And you know what? I, I tend to agree. I, I thought last year was a little bit fluky while it was fun at times, you know, there, there wasn't that one thing where it was just like, wow, you know, we really like beat up on them or wow. You know, th- this was just a, a, a well-played series. It was more just like, holy shit, we won. <laughs> like <laughs> That's kind of, there were so many like of those you cannot of describe last season better than that. <laughs> Holy shit, we won. I mean, I, I've been trying to figure it out for the whole offseason. But that's like, I mean, it's kind of that kind of is the feeling that you get. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's kind of right. So I remember the game. I think it was against the A's. The Jeter Downs walk off after they benched Abrams. Like Jeter Downs entered the game for CJ Abrams and it ended up hitting a walk off. Yeah. Like I, that, I, that was there was the like one against what, um, what happened? <laughs> the Brewers where we had like two infield singles and then an error and we won. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, like you can't, you can't count on that happening next. Exactly, year. exactly. Um, and I think, I think Pakoda's somewhat on the right track because I feel like there's more ways for this team to backslide than there are for them to go forward. 
Mm-hmm. If if you if this team improves, and obviously, like we've been saying, they could make another move, make some signings, something. But as currently constructed, um, you would need everybody to play as good or better than they played last year, mm-hmm. um, which is asking a lot because you didn't really sign anybody. Um, and then you're at, you're asking basically Joey Gallo to be like his God. 2021 first <laughs> half with the Rangers. Uh, and you're asking your pitchers to stay fully healthy again. I mean, it's just there's too many things that can go wrong. And like there, I, I can see because like like we've been like we're saying, I mean, you don't want to say that they were 100 percent lucky last year, but there was some luck. Like, let's there be real. There was some luck. Um, and, you know, you can't expect a team to own, to hit that well in the eighth and ninth innings like the Nats did last year. They hit so much better in the late innings. It was unbelievable. The middle innings were basically a dead zone for this team. And you don't want to live like that. Um, so I get that. I'm not I wouldn't go down below 60 personally, but like I can understand where they're coming from there. Very. This is very early and uh, I haven't done a super deep dive into my you know thoughts on the team but I, i'm thinking low 60s I th- last year i had them at 55 I, i'll admit i i was very low on them and obviously they won set 71 games um this year i'm yeah. slightly higher on them but yeah i'm low 60s still yeah, I, I, think, I just don't I think see mine it. was like 64 last year and i i would say i was optimistic with yeah that, that's there was, an optimistic end of things for sure yeah and they they did overperform that and that's why this offseason I felt was more important than people were making it out to be. Because when your team overperforms and shows you that they want to win, you're supposed to help them out. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of how it it's supposed to work, but that's not how it is working here. So um yeah, I think I would probably keep my projection around the same as it was last year because this is a very similar team to how they were at the beginning of the season last year. Um, you know, you're, you got bounce back candidates as your free agents and you got your young guys that you hope will play well. And that's pretty much what you got. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough to see this team going past 71 wins. That's for sure. Um, yeah, th- there's no way they're taking another. Step I, I can't. Yeah. I mean, like if, if they, they could maybe finish with the same record as currently constructed, maybe that would, that's like, and that's I think what that's I feel on the high like. End. I, yeah. I feel like that's a ceiling type of deal. Mm-hmm, so it's, for sure. It's tough um, unless you get some guy like you kind of have to hope that like when James Wood and Dylan Cruz and Brady House all come up that they all just crush. Um, that's, and that, it, what, it could happen. Well, that's what the Nationals are in basing their entire rebuild off of. Yeah, like if those again, separate conversation, but like if those guys don't hit, if two of those guys don't hit, the Nats are screwed. Like they don't have any farm system, like legitimate farm yeah. system depth. The My Padres, depth. we know that the 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 haul that the, the Nats got for Juan Soto from the Padres, and the Padres two years later have a higher ranked farm system than the Nationals without yeah. all of the top picks. And Robert Hassel, who we haven't even discussed yet, was the like the number one prospect in that deal technically. Yeah, um, at the time, and he's uh, regressed. Elijah Green's he, he was been horrible last year. Horrible. Yeah, like a lot of the guys they were counting on have been bad, quite frankly. Um, it, it's it's iffy. Um, but w- while we're on the subject of pro- uh, projections, we'll kind of wrap up this conversation with um, the fan graph projections for the, the national starting lineup just real quick. So CJ Abrams, um, obviously the bright spot of last year, they have him. I, I will say it's 
a little bit under where I would have him. They have him at 17 home runs, 36 stolen bases, 258 average, and a 730 OPS. It's a little bit low uh, for me. I I think the home runs is about right, but I think the stolen bases will be way up. I think he's going to get the green light and be super aggressive on the base paths. He um, should. <laughs> And, and then that's were so much better when he was running. So yeah, the, the average, if he hits 258, I'm cool with that. And a 730 OPS sounds about right. Cause while he has power, that's not necessarily his game. Um, and I, I would hope that the on-base percentage gets higher than 310, but, um, that sounds about right. Lane Thomas, they have 23 home runs, 252 average in a 750 OPS sounds about right. Um, KB Ruiz, 17 home runs, 270 batting average, and a 760 OPS. Nice. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's actually pretty I, good for Fangrass. Fangrass is generally fairly conservative, yeah. and that's 760 it's for a bad. catcher who's coming off of a. I mean, he was all right. He finished strong. He <laughs> yeah, did. He, did. he definitely strong. did. He definitely did. With, with Ruiz in particular, like, I would trade. I will, I'll take the offensive stuff from last year if he just improves defensively. I just, I, I what did they do? What Henry did they Blanco, do man. to him, man? Henry Blanco. He was like um, perfectly adequate. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, like the, the deal's not an albatross, thankfully, but yeah, it's yeah, not I mean, even quite he, what we thought yeah. we were signing up for. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he can provide some offense and that's fine. Yeah. Joey Manessas, 18 home runs, 263 with a slightly above 330, or sorry, uh, 730 OPS. Again, sounds about right, but it would not shock me if those home run numbers were lower. Uh, Joey Gallo with the funny stat line, um, 23 home runs, 191 average in a 723 OPS. <laughs> what's, his, um, what's, his, what's his on base? What is 313. That's, 313. So he's going to have like a... 17 percent walk rate or something crazy. yeah yeah something like that <laughs> stone garrett they are not very high on and maybe the injury plays a part into this they have him 16 home runs which would be fine but 237 average and then a 710 ops luis garcia 12 home runs 273 average and a 738 ops nick senzel eight home runs whoa getting real uh spicy there um, 232 average and like a, a OPS below 700 and then Victor Robles, eight home runs, which if Victor Robles hits eight home runs this year, I will like streak through Nats park. <laughs> There's no shot in hell that's happening. Um, 245 average and a 693 OPS. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're not overly, um, bullish on the Nats, but the, the thing that got me is the rotation. And you mentioned it like fan graphs is usually pretty conservative. So they're, they're not the most, you know, optimistic or, or friendly. <laughs> um, all right. We'll start from the bottom. They have Trevor Williams at a five seventeen ERA. Yeah, um, that's fair. I think that, I think that's actually optimistic. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> uh, Patrick Corbin at a five sixteen ERA. It sounds about mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Jake Irvin at a four nine two. I think that's fine. I, I think Jake Irvin is, is a, just a, a fifth starter. He's going to have some good games. He's going to have some bad games. Uh, he's not going to be anyone that like makes my list or is like my 13 threes or anything like that. Uh, Mackenzie <laughs> Gore, they have a four two one ERA. Kind of sounds about right. A little bit of a, a volatility. Honestly, with take Mackenzie that. Gore. Yeah, that's four, not two, too one. bad. And what do you think Josiah Gray's is? It's probably worse than I want it to be. It definitely is. I'm going to go like five. 
close. Four eight six. Which yeah. I I, I it's, unfortunately I get it. <laughs> I get it. And that's what sucks. But like if you know Josiah's ERA jumps a full run from twenty three to twenty four, that would just hurt so badly. Yeah. So badly. Gotta get the so, walks under control. Yeah, they, they have him at seventy seven walks in uh in twenty twenty four, which I'm sure it contributes that's to the probably, inflated ERA. That's probably ERA. high. <laughs> they also have Kyle Finnegan with a 407 ERA, which I thought was funny. Um, I mean, <laughs> relievers, you never know. I mean, he was yeah, good last volatile. year. He's, been, he's actually been kind, somewhat consistent for the past two years. Somewhat. Yeah. So all of this is just <laughs> to say, you know, fan graphs, baseball prospectus, like anywhere you look, not the most bullish on the nationals and it's kind of hard to argue could they be just as good and have a fine season sure um i just don't think it's likely Um, yeah like i think like like i said earlier it's just like there's more ways for the backslide for them to come back down to earth and there are for for them to progress i feel like yeah um so you need a lot of things to go right if you want to get back to the 70 plus For sure. All right, let's pause here, get a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back on the other side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, we are back in switching gears. We are talking about the real fun stuff now. Trey, the Nationals unveiled some new threads a couple weeks ago, and they will be displaying uh, two new, well, one new alternate jersey, and they redid their uh, road grays. Um, Obviously, this is just an audio-only episode, so if you want to go check those out, Google, Twitter. um, You know, I'm pretty sure we retweeted them, or you can find them on the Nationals' Twitter as well. The road grays, they're fine. Like road grays aren't meant to be like the the staple in a team's, you know, uniform arsenal. Um, I didn't think they needed to be changed, but yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> they're they're fine. And I think a lot of it's Nike just switching things up to to sell more merch. And we'll talk about the city connects here in a minute. Um, the, the real talk of the town was the pullovers which is kind of new to baseball. Obviously with baseball uniforms, you typically get the button downs. We've seen some variations. We saw the reds display a sleeveless Jersey. And if you go back, you know, to the early two thousands, they had to turn back the time jerseys or whatever they the hell they were called. And, you know, so you've seen, you know, unique jerseys, um, the nationals pullovers, they're not bad. And as an alternate, it's fine. Like, yeah. That's what I was going to say. If they were the main uni, I would maybe right. have an issue, but just as an alternate, kind of cool. Yeah. So, and that, that was like the real thing. Cause 
this kind this news kind of came out of nowhere and everyone thought that they were getting rid of the script jerseys and that was like no yeah, no, no, was, no 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 we finally have like really clean looking jerseys especially the navy ones i i love the white ones i would love yeah, a I red love one the Nats home unis right now yeah i, I think they're so clean um so I, I was really concerned and you know voiced my displeasure during the initial drop um but then it came out that they were just re- replacing the red curly w uniforms which i think it's kind of a mistake not to have a red jersey uh, even though i don't love red as a color um you're at the nationals you play in the nation's capital red is like kind of your primary color just kind of seems silly not to have a red alternate but they're trying something new that's fine um i i like you know at least experimenting and not just doing the same thing for the sake of being traditionalist the thing with the pullovers though is you get three different logos on them you get the w block w with the capital building behind it as the chess logo the most prominent one you get the interlocking dc on the sleeve which i love the interlocking dc they need to bring it back yeah i was gonna um, say get for, that on the sleeve they need a hat with the interlocking dc right oh absolutely and then you're gonna get the curly w with the hat or at least um it might, i don't think it's on the jersey i think they're pairing the hat with it but that's just to say they're three different logos with that <laughs> uniform combination which kind of seems like uh, you're going through a midlife identity crisis or something like that um but do you feel like the nats are, are phasing out the curly w phasing out might not be the word for it because i feel like that's always going to be a part of the franchise it's been a part of the franchise since they were the senators back in 40s and before um so there's there's parts that i i just i think that they want to distance themselves from it slightly because of maybe all the Walgreens jokes, honestly. Um. So I have, (laughs) uh, I'm not saying like high ranking officials, but like I have connections to people who work for the Nats and it's generally pretty well known within that, not necessarily front office, like Rizzo and them, but like the, the, the front office uh, in terms of like the, the behind the scenes operations with the Nats that uh, the Walgreens jokes have kind of run their, not run their course, but they're pretty tired of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and no, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, the logos do look similar, but uh, to be honest, similar. the Curly W Washington baseball logo was around first. So it was, that's why they won that lawsuit yeah. um, back in like 2006 or seven or whatever yeah. it was. Um, um, yeah. So I, I feel like it'll, they're always going to have some kind of Jersey or hat or something with a Curly W regardless of if they want to get away from it just because it's tradition. But um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Capitol building block. Oh, w I, logo. It. It's, it's I my favorite. despise it. I would much rather go with the interlocking DC. Um, and that would be my choice for, especially for a hat logo. That's, it looks so great on a hat. Um, so they yeah. definitely, I, I would like to see interlocking DC come back as some kind some in some form. Um, which they have yeah. it on the uh, that jersey, but yeah, it's also paired with two other logos, yeah. which is weird. <laughs> so I actually misspoke. The curly W won't be featured with the pullover, but the curly W is on the sleeve on the road unis. So when they oh, were yeah, displayed okay, together, new. you had three different logos within the quote unquote new jerseys. Yeah. Um, so that's where that confusion came from. Um, and uh, as far as I know, they are still featuring the. Uh, the atrocity that is that tricolor hat with the capital building w um yeah, that's uh 
not my favorite the worst hat in baseball um but along those same lines which you just mentioned like the senators and whatnot the nationals did release two new hats and they they won't be worn in the regular season one is a spring training hat which we'll see here uh next week or whenever they start playing games um and then the other one is kind of like a batting practice hat um but these two while normally wouldn't be like major news they are news in the fact that the spring training hat features just the block w no capital building behind it it's a navy hat with kind of a, a white and red block w uh, on the front, it looks really cool. It's simple, but it's clean. It's effective. It's one of the better spring training hats they've had in recent years. Um, and someone pointed out that it's been a hundred years since the Senators World Series win um, back in 1924. So it's kind of an homage to that. I think oh, it looks yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, batting practice hat is a red dome with the navy brim, and it actually features the interlocking DC, which is the yeah, first time they've really awesome. Yeah, it's the first time they've really <laughs> acknowledged it since they switched from interlocking DC to the curly W back in like 2009 or eight, whenever that was. Um, but now we've gotten the interlocking DC both on the sleeve patch of the pullover and as a um, batting practice hat. So it kind of feels like that might be making a comeback, which I am all for. Um, but yeah, both hats. I am a big fan of uh, the pullovers. Fine. I'm cool with something different. I don't think they look good as a Jersey, but they're fine and then the road grays are fine yeah the roads are whatever i don't really like you said it's those are never the big deal (laughs) yeah um what what was a big deal to a lot of fans is around the same time that these threads dropped it was announced so i think there was a little bit of uh misunderstanding people thought the nationals were phasing out the city connects when in reality that's a nike controlled thing and the city connects were only meant to be around for three years and then cycled out so that way Nike could invent new uniforms that could be sold and push merch. So this will be the last year that the Nats wear their Cherry Blossom City Connect jerseys, which are great. And obviously that includes the hats too. Uh, I assume they're still wearing them for Friday and Saturday home games. Um, That's what they did last year. But this will be the last year that they feature them. And then that in turn opens up a slot for a new uniform next year as well. Um, so just something to keep an eye on. They might bring back the red curly W alternate jerseys. They might just be out of circulation for one year and then bring them back next year. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, but yeah, it definitely hurts to see the city connect jerseys go or have their one final hurrah, but that that's a Nike thing. That's not the nationals just making a bad decision. I get why you would think that that the (laughs) nationals would make a bad decision, but that's a Nike thing. Yeah. That's normally, that's normally the case, but, uh, right. Yeah, this yeah Nike Nike just they they're doing the same thing in basketball where they're just like we have to make different jerseys so we make more money. I'm like, can we like can we not? <laughs> You're Nike. How much more money do you freaking need? Yeah, well, money talks, <laughs> money talks. So we'll see uh, what the Nationals decide to do, but you can expect uh, some different looks from your Nats this year. Um, and then the final thing we wanted to touch on, which was obviously kind of the biggest news of the Nationals offseason, which honestly wasn't even their news. <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> impacted them um, for those that have been living under a rock or maybe you just forgot with, you know, all the hoopla going on with Super Bowl and, you know, life and, and whatnot. Um, the Baltimore Orioles were sold. Um, the Angelos family uh, notorious for being kind of sleazeballs and screw you the, peter right or john not, excuse me 
yeah, not they both the, suck, but really, both, John, John's both, worse. But yeah, John, <laughs> um, notorious for being bad owners, obviously not spending. Um, they they were sold, and this is news in and of itself, but also for the way it unfolded, we got rumblings a couple months ago that a group led by David Rubenstein, who um, Carlisle Group, which if you're you know, Northern Virginia, you're, you should be familiar with that. Um, Rubenstein was also in the Leonsis group that submitted a bid to buy the nationals, which is of note. Um, yeah, was. I, think right. people, I forgot about people that, forgot. Actually. Yeah. People forgot that, but Rubenstein is, I think from Baltimore, just from Maryland, grew up an Orioles fan. So he has like personal connections to that. Um, so there there's that, but also the way it unfolded, it was like an overnight thing. It was just like, hey, we heard rumblings, and all of a sudden they were sold. Yep. Like there was no listing the team up for auction, you know, creating a bidding war. There was none of that. It was just cut and dry, sold for $1.7 billion, um, which is less than the Nationals asking price of uh, what I think the Mets yeah, sold had, for 2.4. And then yeah, they the wanted to like looking more for that, more than that, which is, um, but it's also less than what the Nationals are, were offered by the Leontes group, which was $2 billion. Um, and there was, I, I, obviously we don't know what happened behind the scenes, but it, there was like no public counter offer. It was, Hey, you want to take 1.7 billion? Sure. Done deal. And that was that. Yep. Um, so it, it really, and I don't know if we're going to be able to touch on it all in this episode, cause we kind of went along with the, the off season stuff, but it, it's just kind of baffling to see the Orioles, the Angelos family just sell the team without much pushback and reach a kind of, you know, amicable deal to sell the team. And then there's the Lerner family who announced two years ago, basically at this point that they were selling a team with no real news to, you know, show for it in the past two years. And, and I get um, Ted Lerner died and, and whatnot, and that might've delayed things, but, Mark and, and the family said they were still intent on selling despite the passing of Ted Lerner. So I, I don't really give them a pass for that. Um, so that that's, that's the first part of it. And then obviously there's the whole mass and thing um, that we can dive into, but what are your thoughts on the Orioles situation and kind of how it paints the picture for the Nats ownership? Well, I think what it showed is that if an owner really wants to sell, uh, they can at any point. Um, so especially in a league where franchise values continue to go up and especially went up last, last year when MLB had one of their best seasons in deck in the decade in terms of, uh, viewership. Um, so it's, it's, there's just, there's no, like whatever smoke screen they're trying to use about like, oh, we didn't get the right offer. It's like, if you really wanted to, you could sell. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I just, it's it's always the, the the issue is that they never say what they mean, <laughs> and that's always what that gets me. It's just like just, you know, if you're gonna just tell me the truth, that's all I ask. Um, but they won't do that. Uh, no. But yeah, no, it was it was definitely interesting. Um, how it how it happened because yeah, it was it was seriously like overnight. I mean, it it was quick. Um, and it it actually makes a lot of sense for uh, the new group to go after the Orioles because they just um. They just signed a, a lease for like 15 years to stay stay there yeah. uh, at Camden. So you ha- uh, the Rubenstein group has that extra um, 
fallback, I, I suppose, uh, that they, they they will have 15 years. Um, they also and then, just have a, a really young, exciting nucleus. Of oh, yeah. Where the Nats don't. Yeah. And they've already shown willingness to make moves as they yep. traded for Corbin Burns literally instantly. The next I day. mean, it was so, so quick. And we both agree that they could pro- potentially uh, look to extend him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it this just brings in extensions for those other young guys because the Angelos family wasn't going to pay him. They said that pretty. I mean, they pretty much stated Bluntly. that directly, mm-hmm. which is so crazy to ever say as an, a sports owner. Um, but now all those guys are all of a sudden in play because you got a totally new ownership group who, I mean, it would be very difficult to do less than John Angelos did. So they're probably looking like they're going to do more than him. <laughs> and that makes the Orioles very scary, uh, first of all, as a team. Um, mm-hmm. But also, yeah, like you said, this brings in the mass and money thing, which has been an ongoing battle for uh, the Nats and the Orioles for as long as the team has been in D.C., basically. And there's at least now a path to where the Nats get their their all their money. They've been paid some of it. Um, so they've actually been winning those those kind those uh, cases. Um, but they're still owed, I believe, like one hundred million dollars in TV revenue. Yeah, um, it, it's a, it's about that. And I, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I, I just want to uh, say one thing or, you know, if you've been following the show for for a while and, you know, previously with Half Street High, he, you know, Matt Wyrick, who was formerly of NBC Sports Washington and then covered the, the caps for a year and now is actually with the Baltimore Sun, for those that don't know. So his first week of the job, Orioles got sold, Corbin Burns traded. And, you know, he's just living life as an Orioles yeah, reporter. Shout so congrats, out Matt, bro. Yeah, congrats to Matt. But he actually, he actually broke the news, which is, you know, it feels like, you know, your homie made it out the hood or something. <laughs> um, but Matt Weirich reported that the MLB could actually require the Orioles to concede their share of the Nationals television rights as part of the uh, pending sale. It, it's not like a lock. But as you mentioned, Trey, like there is a path to where we could finally get Just our TV rights saga. back. Right. We don't have to hear um, about it anymore. I mean, it's been but, seriously. You know, for anyone who's, you know, yelling at their their radio or whatever that, you know, the Nationals didn't get a fair offer because they don't own their TV rights. Ted Leonsis offered two billion as is for the yeah. <laughs> for the team. So I don't really I really don't want to hear it. Um, yes, totally cool with him not buying it, by the way, Uh, we should also point that right. That's another thing. And I'm not even a a huge Ted Leonsis fan, but it just goes to your point. If the learners really wanted to sell, they would have. Yeah. And this, this just feels like they completely misread the market. They saw what the Mets went for and they thought they could do better, um, which they couldn't. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but as you mentioned, there, there is a path forward for the Nats to get their TV rights back. Yeah. Which they're really hasn't been <laughs> i mean other than other than the first uh like i think I, they got paid for like 05 to 2010 i think and that was like the, the first step towards anything happening well really. they got paid for uh, it was later than that it was like okay um 13 to 17 or something okay. like that yeah, they got they got and a then, chunk <laughs> yeah they're still owed 17 to 2021 i think is the yeah. next block of like four to five years that they're owed for and then it should be square yeah, and I mean, you know, this is billionaire money, so who cares? But who that cares? nineteen, that nineteen season is is in amongst that group, so that's probably yep. a decent chunk of revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, 
you know, I I'm happy for for O's fans. I'm happy for sure that I can watch the Orioles and not hate them anymore because I I just like couldn't root for them with Johnny and like all these owners are scummy, but like he was <laughs> he's on he was almost on his own level. Him and John Fisher down there just hanging out in yeah. hell. Uh, whenever they, whenever they, whenever they, they die at age like 130, because those guys live forever. But, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see. Um, I'll just kind of tie a bow on on it with this. Do you think the Nationals are sold? No, <laughs> I, I'm starting to think that too. I, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, I'm honestly not anticipating a sale. Um, but to be fair, I didn't think the Orioles were going to go, and that just kind of happened. True. So you never that's know. That's true. But that kind of feels like the outlier, like yeah. the exception, not not the new standard or anything like that. Yeah. No, Especially thinking... if the learners already tried to beat the Mets record, it feels like it, it would take a very large pill being swallowed for them to just sell out of nowhere. It yeah, seems I, like I think it goes to, to show you records. how much franchises are actually worth because. They were <laughs> Nats are valued at two billion. I know, like that. That's not enough. Like that's like, that's like worth keeping. Obviously, they want they they make more money keeping it at that point. Like in in terms of, or in, like they wouldn't if they wouldn't sell as for as much as the Mets, which they obviously were never going to. I don't really know who thought that was <laughs> in play, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll say I, I don't think they're they're sold either. Now it's just a matter of will the team. Or will the ownership reinvest in the team, which I hope, but because they, they have done it before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like when the learners are actually invested in the team, they're one of the better ownership groups. Like, I, I will admit that. Yeah, it's they, just they, 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 they have just, their moments. They just pick kind of pick and choose when. Right. They pick and choose, which is annoying. But yeah. grand scheme of things, they have been one of the better ownership groups when they're invested, which is how I know in the past like three to four years, they haven't been invested because it's been a completely different ownership group. Mm-hmm. Like after 2019, they were checked out. And I get, you know, the COVID season and their money in real estate and all that stuff. They're still billionaires. They still have a shitload of money. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to feel bad for a billionaire. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of, will they reinvest in the team? And as far as the TV rights go, there is a little bit of an interesting layer to it. So, um, Rob Bamford recently did a press conference and for those that don't know, Bally sports, uh, they're owned by the diamond something group. Um, they filed for bankruptcy. Amazon actually bought the rights. So those 14 teams that are broadcast on Bally sports throughout the, the country, they're actually going to have their games on Amazon prime. Um, with no is, blackouts with no blackouts. Well, that's the big, that's which the biggest is thing. Huge. It's the first step to getting, you know, no blackouts in market games available. Um, and it's kind of like a one year trial run and we'll see how it goes. But Rob Manfred expressed the desire to have half the league on some sort of streaming platform with in market options by, I think he said 2025 maybe 2026 it's still not perfect but that is something that is some kind of step forward yeah and teams like the yankees who have the yes network like that's and even the orioles with mass and like it's those are going to be you know status quo um but if you do the math there's 14 valley sports teams that are on prime if you do uh half the league 30 minus or divided by two is 15 so they just need to add one more team that one team in theory could be the nationals who are trying to get their TV rights back. And then if they're not with Masson anymore, they're going to be looking for a home 
Prime could just scoop them up. That's 15 of the 30, and they could be lumped in. A, a lot then, of ifs. Yeah. But and, and then in market, that path that, you can yeah, watch. That, that path is now exists because Prime's, it's not like, oh, Prime could do this, but they, they hadn't yet. Prime is now actively streaming baseball games in market. So if the Nats are without a home and everything goes well with Prime this year, it kind of makes logical sense for Prime to just add the Nats. What's you have fourteen teams already? What's one more? Yeah, I would anticipate that 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 will go well. So I, I like, don't see why it wouldn't. Yeah, I mean the whole issue with MLB TV is that you can't watch your own games, so nobody yeah. nobody and, in their they, own market is going to buy it. They already do live sports with Thursday night football. Um, so yeah, obviously they have the capability of it. The Apple TV broadcasts seemingly have gone well. I haven't watched a ton of them. They're uh, like admittedly. good and bad. I mean, it's like, but I just mean some, as far yeah. as like the production, like the video the production is clear. Is great. Yeah, yeah. The video is clear. That's I, the best yeah. selling point that they have. Is right. I get the broadcasters are, are very hit or missed. Um, but like as far as the ability to stream the game, like it goes well. Mm-hmm. So there's a path. There's a path. It's just, you know, a lot of ifs, which yeah, there always are with the Nationals. So, yeah, th- that really kind of touches on everything we, we wanted to to talk about. I think in a, a couple weeks, maybe towards the end of the month, early March, uh, we might do another audio only podcast where we kind of talk about the position groups for the Nationals. Once we get a better idea of how spring training's unfolding, injury updates for guys like Riley Adams, Stone Garrett, who currently factor into the team, but might not if their recoveries aren't going as scheduled um, that might open the door for other guys to uh, step in and, and earn a spot. We should be getting um, a lot more info about, you know, injuries and kind of how the roster will be shaping, you know, within the next couple of weeks, because they're, they do like we said earlier, they report this week. Yeah. So, and who knows, Steven Strasburg might retire. Don't know. Yeah, um, could happen. Yeah. I mean, he wants to. They just yeah. kind of won't let him. Won't let him. Oh man, lots going on with this team. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we we got the chance to uh, kind of talk about it all at once. This is kind of what we've been waiting for. We certainly didn't expect to have to wait this long to be able to to talk about Nats for a full episode. But here, yeah. here we are, uh, and we'll uh, as we as we obviously uh, approach the the start of the regular season, we're going to be doing Nationals episodes more frequently, but we still will be having our kind of district baseball episodes as well and covering the whole MLB as well. So you're you're looking at, you know, maybe two shorter episodes a week, but two episodes a week, nevertheless. So uh, be sure to be on the lookout for that. And most will be on YouTube. This was just, we knew we were going to have a lot to talk about. It was going to be a lengthy discussion. We wanted to be able to go on tangents. So we kept this one audio only, but be sure to check us out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe at district baseball, follow us on TikTok at district baseball and on Twitter at district bsb trey you got anything before we head out my friend let's go baseball let's go baseball man been wow. a while huh it's it been, feel been good a to while. say it it feels good to say it super bowl's over it's baseball season yep so spring training right around the corner before we know opening day will be upon us uh we have uh this episode's coming out on thursday um so be sure to check out the top third baseman in baseball episode that released this week. That one's up on YouTube. And next week we'll be doing the top 15 outfielders 
in baseball, which will uh, be a good one as we continue on with rigging season. And before we know it, we're going to get into the uh, division previews, which is always a fun time. We get to talk about all of the different moves around baseball and, and break down how we thought, how we think the divisions will play out in 2024. So a lot of good stuff right around the corner. Best time of the year. Can't wait to dive into it all. So be sure you're subscribed and following us in all the appropriate places. And we appreciate listening. We could do this without you. So we will catch you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.